Episode 41 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. Emerging of Thoughts. Righto, team, welcome along to episode 41 of Fitness Behaviour of Bevan James Isles, your monthly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. I'm looking at my computer screen right now and uh, I've, I've changed my I've changed my screensaver and I've got a big, uh, you know, I've got an iMac and it's a pretty big size screen and, and I've got a big picture of a cat right in front of me and it just kind of made me smile. My I've got a picture of our cat tabs to... Um, I'm not sure what that has to do with anything, but it just kind of makes me smile. Maybe what I'll do is I'll put the, uh, the picture of the cat as this month's show notes and this month's show notes, and you can have a check out of our cat tapster if you're a cat lover. I have to say, I'm not a huge cat lover, and that's the funny thing is that my partner, it's, it's very much Joe's cat, and uh, so it's quite funny that she's my desktop on my computer. Joe goes, what do you do with the cat on the desktop? So anyway, welcome to this month's show, guys. This month's show is going to be a little bit different to what I normally do because... Normally on the show, I have one topic that I kind of really focus on within the main segment of the show. And uh, this month, I, I kind of thought, there's just been a couple of little things that have been going through my head, which I thought would be kind of cool to do some topics around. So it's kind of be a little bit off the traditional format, as in I'm just going to probably be riffing a little bit and um, just chucking some ideas out there and just a couple of little things that have you know come around this month that I thought I could talk about. So... Uh, that's that's pretty much going to be what's going to be happening in the main segment of this month's show. Other than that, what have I been up to over the last period of time? Went to Melbourne. My partner and I, Joe, we went to Melbourne and had a bit of a break there and came back from Melbourne and I've pretty much been working my butt off non-stop for the last two weeks and it's kind of now gets to slow down a little bit, which is nice because, um, you know in life when you go through that period where you're just kind of under the pump and there's a lot of work to be done and uh, in the last two weeks... I've really experienced that, and um, it's it's. I often find those times to be a very dangerous time in life because, <clears throat> you know, I'm talking about like on last Friday, I ended up doing like a 15 hour day, and uh, you know that was followed up by many days of similar hours, and it's a very dangerous time. And I often talk about this, but the whole concept of when we get busy, we lose what's important for us, and uh, and you see that a lot in people's lives is that at their busy time, they become the least impor- important part of their day, it, be, they being the things they do for themselves that keep them in a really great mindset. And, uh, you know, I just found myself over the last couple of weeks, I wouldn't say I've gone downhill in a huge way, but I definitely have slipped a little bit around doing stuff that's good for me. And it, it was fine because I knew that there was only a two-week period where I'd have to maintain that level of work. But at the same time, there is those times where we just got to be a little bit careful that we're not, A, setting up this pattern where work becomes the only thing, and B, that we are maintaining some level of looking after ourselves. And and, and, and I think the other thing to do at that time is also how do you look after your relationships at those busy times? Because to be honest, I don't think I have that well. Joe and I have both been on the pump in the last few weeks, and there was a little bit of stress that we don't normally experience because of that extra level of pressure we were experiencing. And Joe and I are actually really good as a relationship around communication and stuff. And even a couple who consider themselves to be good could sometimes slip in those areas. So just uh, just stuff to think about in your own life if you are really, really under the pump. 
and uh, you're noticing that your stuff is starting to slip is how do you implement that stuff in your life enough while you're going through those busy times and, and staying aware around that and and I think that probably the m- one thing to talk about which is often not talked about on this topic is is how do I avoid getting too much esteem from the fact that I am working all the time you see this a lot with people who are who are workaholics to the point where the their workaholic lifestyle leads to the a life which actually pulls them away from a very healthy version of themselves and you'll see you know that they're, that sure there's a massive load of work output that happens but we look at all the other areas of their life there's a lot of kind of neglect and um you know and, and you know just kind of losing of self that happens at that time and but at the same time they get this massive esteem from working and it can be a dangerous thing that if the only way you get value is to make sure you're always working, it's a really dangerous thing to contemplate. And so, um, yeah, just, you know, if you are someone who is working a lot and you're kind of starting to lose what's important for you, maybe have a reflection on your life, have a big overview and, and do some planning around making sure you maintain enough of yourself and your relationships and also enough of areas that keep esteem so your life isn't just based on esteem through work. I've probably talked about that before, so I just thought I'd chuck that out there right now because it's quite topical for me. But anyway, this month's show, um, I'm going to pretty much get into it. I'm going to do, I've got a couple of great questions to answer at the end of the show, so hang around for the end of the show and I'll answer those questions as well. And um, I'm going to put some music on and we're going to rock and roll and get into it. In my life, I, I have these experiences of... of being what I would consider what you probably like a Z grade celebrity, and um, I'm far from a celebrity in, in any way, shape, or form. But within my own city, I am very well known, if you know what I mean. Um, I I've done a job where I've been in front of you know over a thousand people a week, every day of my life. Well, no, not every day, every week of my life for the last you know 15 years. Um, you know, I write for my local paper. Or, you know, I just have a little bit of exposure within my own city, and um you know, to the point where a lot of people know me. And, I, and the thing I love about what I do is that everyone who knows me, I've actually spent time with. So it's not some perception of someone you've seen on TV or someone who you don't even know and you have this impression of. It's just people I've dealt with in some way and it's obviously probably been around exercise over the last period of time. And um, and, and I really love that. And I really, I love that I have this kind of... Um, knowing you know lots of people knowing me and, and, and the reason I love it it's a few reasons is that a I'm a social person b um you know like there's 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 some influence that can come with that and the influence you can use is a really cool thing so you know if people know me and I, they know that I do a good job and uh, they know what I'm about then hopefully I can help people exercise more so you know there's some cool sides to it one of the downfalls of knowing a lot of people is there is a social cost to knowing a lot of people And it's not a bad thing when I talk about the social cost, but the social cost is when you go to places where a lot of people know you, getting things done takes a lot more time. And the reason it takes a lot more time is because you're going to spend a lot more time interacting with people. And uh, and for me, one of those places is the gym. I go to the gym, I 
worked there for years. I know pretty much everyone at the place. The gym has, I don't know, maybe 5,000 members. So, you know, there's a lot of people there. And, and if I'm going to teach a class, you're going in, you spend a lot of time being social before the class, then you'll, you teach the class and social afterwards, and then you kind of go, um, which is a big part of what I love doing. When I go to do my own workout, sometimes it's a little bit different because if you want to go just do your own training, um, you know, you kind of want your own mind space to be able to focus on your exercise. But at the same time, I, there's, you know, because of my role in this this environment, there is going to be this energy cost of me being social with other people. Now, I talk about this in a way that maybe it comes across that this is a bit of a burden for me. But the, the, the actual fact is, it's not really, because I was the kid who, you know, when it was meant to take you 30 minutes to do a, a paper run, took me two hours because I spoke to pretty much everybody on my paper run. And, uh, and and I talk about this kind of, there is a social cost to being known in certain environments. But at the same time, I often, like on like last Saturday, I went to the gym and did a workout and I was there for an hour and a half. And an hour of that time was training and half an hour of it was being social. And looking back, I was the person who who led the social interactions that I had. So as much as I say there is a social cost, actually I, I, I'm very attracted to that social cost. And so it's um it's a part of my life that's really real, but it's also a part of my life that I really love. I often feel sorry for the people who aren't so um, attracted to the social side of my job or, the, or what I do. And, um you know, because they get a little bit frustrated by that. And, it's, you know, we tend to get people in my industry who are attracted to that social, but there are some people who, you know, won't train at a gym that they work at because they want that space for themselves. And I totally understand why that would be the case. Anyway, so that last Saturday, there was an example of what I was talking about, how when I can turn up to the gym to do a workout by myself, actually I'm the person who adds half an hour because I'll end up talking. And a few, about a month ago, it was it was one of those days where I went to the gym to do a workout. It's Saturday afternoon, I, I coach runners in the morning, so I, you know my afternoon is when I get some time in to get some training in. So I went to the gym, and there was a girl behind reception called Sarah. Now Sarah is this, um, it's just a, a lovely girl. She's um, I don't know how old she is, but she's she's just the kind of person who's really nice to hang around with because she's got a really kind of fun personality and I like it because she always laughs I always I'm always attracted to people who always laugh I've got a friend called Yuki who works at the gym as well and um, he's the uh, gym floor manager at the gym I work at and he's the kind of person who just always laughs and I've, I've always I've always enjoyed the company of people who can have a laugh and Sarah is one of those people who you just kind of sit down you have a conversation with and you you know you kind of have a laugh and um, we've got Sarah single and so we're talking about and I, I I probably I probably talk to her about being single quite a lot, you know. How's, how's it going being single and stuff? And she probably gets sick of me asking the questions around being single, but so be it. And um and we're talking about it, and uh, and she was saying how one of the the problems of being single is there's not that many good men out there, or or they're taken. And very jokingly, I said to her, well, "Why don't you just go for a guy who's already taken?" And um. And, you know, and it was very much a joke and, and we kind of said laugh and then, you know, it kind of didn't really go on and that was just the end of the conversation. Well, the conversation probably went on, then I went and trained and that was the end of the that kind of point. It was more me just having a laugh saying, go for someone else. I went away and I did my workout and over the next couple of days I really thought about that idea of, of imagine if we lived in a world where 
social etiquette said you were allowed to approach somebody who was in a relationship. Now, don't get me wrong, this is a really random thought, and this is, as, as I start to go down this path that I'm talking about right now, you'll, you'll see where I'm trying to lead you with these thoughts, but it's, this is not a concept that I really want to see in the world, but it was just an interesting kind of thought experiment that I was going through over that period of time. And the thought experiment was, imagine if we did live in a world where if you attracted somebody and they were in a relationship, it wouldn't be socially frowned upon for you to pursue that person um, as, you know, to be a partner of yours. That let's say you are single and there's a there's a person at your work who's just a really great person, you get along really well, but they're in a relationship and you wanted to pursue them, that you were allowed to do that in a way that wouldn't be socially stigmatized, that people wouldn't think you're a bad person and so on. How would that change relationships? How would that change relationships if we lived in a world where you knew that either yourself or your partner could be approached by others and that could mean that your relationship isn't 100% secure? Now, there's definitely, now again, this is a really out there thought, thought experiment. It's, it's nothing that I really want to ever see in the world, it's, it's, but it's, a, it's an interesting thought. Now, there's definitely a bad side to it. Obviously, um, you know, like it would probably create some negative insecurities in the relationship in, in some really bad ways. But one of the things that did get me thinking about is the whole idea of would it actually make relationships stronger? Would it make the relationships that you're in stronger if you knew that the relationship that you were in had the ability to be taken away from you if a better offer got put forward? Now, in truth, that is kind of true anyway in everyday society. Anyone could break up from somebody because they found someone better. But in this kind of Bevan's weird scenario that I'm talking about here, you know, that if you knew actively that if someone else came along and pursued your partner, that wouldn't be frowned upon. Would there be a gain? Would, would it actually make relationships stronger? And where am I going with this line of thinking as I'm talking to you right now? Well, the thing that I was thinking of at the time is relationships are a really funny thing because with a relationship, once you get into it, there's almost like this guarantee that it's meant to stay together. I remember when I was younger, and I may have talked about this on the podcast in the past, but I remember when I was younger, I broke up from a partner, and I went through a period where I was really doubtful of how many great relationships are there out there. How many really great, you know, where you see couples who who have been together for a long time and are actually in love with each other. You can just see that, you know, and not, not you know, in a, in a, you know, just just because they publicly show their affection to each other, but you just know that they enjoy their company. And, and, and as I had that question in my head around how many great relationships are there, I was really doubtful because a lot of the relationships you see are just a habit. And if anything, you know, you see these people who have been in relationships for a long time and they have this habit of being together but actually that relationship is not making either of their lives better or the, the, the both of their lives together as a whole better either. That actually that relationship is actually probably more damaging to their overall lives than anything. And at that time, because I was in probably a bit of a cynical place myself because I'd broken up from a relationship which started with so much hope, 
um, I went to this place where I was really doubtful. And, you know, at that time I did recognise that there were a few relationships that I could see in the world where people who were genuinely in love with each other and not just that first three months where it's exciting, but that being together for a long time and had a sustained, you know, love of each other. I did see a little bit of that. But at the time I did think, well, most relationships are just together. And the thing about those, a lot of those relationships that are just together, one of the things they have is just this guaranteed commitment to staying in it. And at that time, I always thought, why is it that it seems to be in society that one of the big goals of the relationship is just time? That the goal of the relationship is just to see how long it can last. Like, I'm going to make this commitment forever. And that's what it should be about. Instead, I thought to myself, shouldn't the goal of the relationship to be about making the individuals and the whole's life better and, and to continue to involve that and create better understanding and to make each other's lives better and so on. And um, time shouldn't really have much to do with that. That time should only really be about, you know, you know like, well, time shouldn't have much to do with it at all. If, if the relationship gets to the point where that can't happen, should the relationship be able to easily let go of the thing, you know, of itself because they, both people know it's not good for themselves either or anymore and so that was where I was at and and, and that, that kind of where am I going for this I'm kind of putting this all together as I'm going but that was the thing that was really got me thinking around this place here is that you see a lot of these relationships which are probably not that great you know and probably probably for the individuals within their lives not that great and um probably not that much love towards each other the one thing that keeps them together is probably the life they've created that's tied them together e.g. mortgages stuff kids and stuff like that other kids are a pretty big one um, and, and the commitment that they made early on that they were going to stick at it now if we look at the, those that type of relationship and we were to implement my crazy rule of if you were single you could approach someone in a relationship if you thought, you know, because you like them and it wouldn't be socially frowned upon. If you were in the relationship where it was stale, where, you know, you weren't getting much from it and if anything, it was probably bringing in a bad version of yourself because, you know, there was this resentment towards each other which created, you know, certain behaviours which were about getting at each other. If you knew your partner could be approached by somebody else, and you knew that actually it was okay for them to move on to that person in a way that was, you know, socially stigmatized. Do you think that you'd maybe try harder in that relationship? Now, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you wouldn't. Maybe you just give up and look for elsewhere yourself. And maybe this theory is kind of weird and, and got no real point to it. But I, th- I actually think my the, the bigger point of this thought was Often in the lives and in the areas of our lives where we become comfortable, we become stale and we stop growing. And comfort makes us actually regress in what's important to us. And my stupid theory was kind of that if we lived in a world where socially it was acceptable for other people to approach, would we not allow comfort to take over in relationships? So we'd kind of continue to work on our relationships as we moved forward. 
that's the one thing I find really interesting. Like I, I live in a world full of ambitious people. Like in my world, I do see ambitious people. I don't really see the people who aren't trying. I, you know, generally people who are into their fitness often are trying in their career and they're, you know, they've got some hobby they're trying to get better at as well. They, they tend to be people who are a bit more ambitious. And you see these people have these big ambitious goals and often their relationship is the one area where they're not trying to grow and develop. And I wonder if the, one of the reasons that is is because there's no threat to the relationship. And, and or no threat, or no, yeah, maybe threat's the word. I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure if I've got all the right words here, but I think you understand what I'm saying. This is because it's guaranteed, I don't have to try. Because it's guaranteed, I don't have to try. And when we think about that context within a relationship, we could see how if we did live in a world where relationships, where we had to keep working on our relationships due to certain kind of habits or rules or, or whatever, that our relationships would continue to evolve and actually be a really powerful thing in our lives. And we wouldn't be in a relationship which is just stale and just only together because you made a commitment to time. If we kind of take this out of the context of the relationships, the question I want you to explore to yourself is, in which areas of your life has comfort become something that's made you regress as a person? Where security has made you stop trying to grow? Where by knowing that I have this thing and I have it so tightly bound and there's no threat of it going, have you stopped looking at that area and seeing where the next step forward is? Because this is what often happens when we have security and comfort, is that when we have security and comfort in our life, often we become lazy. We trust that it's there. And because we trust that it's there, we no longer put the energy in, into that area to keep evolving ourselves down that path. And when we stop revolving ourselves down that path, actually we're slowly starting to regress in that area. You see it a lot. You see it a lot with people. You see it, It's a really interesting case. You see it with people who have done the same hobby for a long period of time. That they get to a period where they've they've had growth and they you know it's it's all exciting and they love it and it's it's great. And then after a while, they know the level. You know maybe they've got to the highest level they ever wanted to achieve. And they got to that level and it's, you know, it's exciting, it's great. And then they get and then they sit there for a while. And then they get comfortable at that level and then they stop trying to grow. And and then suddenly, you know, two years down the piece, they're still at that level. And, and anything, it's holding their life back because that comfort, while there's trust in it and you know it, is actually not helping you move further down your path in your life. So... I suppose my point, my first point of today's kind of put together show that I'm doing here is which areas of your life are comfort, is comfort holding you back? Have a look, have a think. Is it your relationship? Have you really stopped trying to work on your relationship? Is it your exercise? If you just kind of turn up every week and just do the same thing and, and not try to progress? Is it your career? Have you accepted there's certain levels that you only ever get to and you and yeah, haven't explored where you can further go. Is it a hobby? Is it is it creative endeavour? Whatever that is for you. Where is 
that comfort is holding you back. If you can identify the areas, really see the behaviours you've created from that comfort. Like if you're in a relationship, if we go back to a relationship situation, you know, is there easy option instead of having a night with your partner on a Saturday night where you actually do something that's about connecting together, a shared experience where you actually build a deeper bond with each other, instead of doing that, do you just turn on the TV every Saturday night? Knowing deep down that's the lazy option and knowing deep down that you, you probably should do something that's about, that's about developing a stronger, deeper connection, but it's, it's kind of hard. So I'll just chuck on the TV tonight and go to bed early. When you do that reflection around comfort, you can then start to identify those areas and then start to think, okay, well, actually, no, this area is an important area of my life that I do want to continue to evolve myself on. And because I want to continue evolving myself along this, I need to work out how to make that work. So in the scenario I just came up with there, you could you could look at that Saturday night situation and go, no, I want to develop a deeper connection with my partner. How do I do that? Well, I need to get my partner involved. I need to do some pre-planning. I need to, you know, put all those steps in place so it's starting to happen. Comfort and security can be such a, a restrictive thing in our lives. And we don't want it to be something that holds us back from moving forward on this experience you're having in your life. I suppose one thing I will say on top of this this kind of thing I'm talking about here is not to say that you can't have areas where you aren't trying to grow. You know, like it, it is cool to have some areas of your life where it's just about relaxing. But are there fundamental areas where you know, you know what, I've just become comfortable and I've allowed myself to become a habit and actually I'm losing what ultimately I could gain from this area and what I want from this area. So, so that's my first point in today's show. I suppose the, the big thing is I, I don't, my theory is far from true. I was telling my partner Joe about it. She's like, what's, what's all this about? I'm like, oh, no, I'm just stupid, babe. So, so, uh, so that, that's kind of my first point in today's show. My second point is, is um, an, an interesting point. Well, not an interesting point. A question for you. I think I'm going to take my jersey off. It's, it's winter here in Christchurch right now, and um, – I don't know what the temperature is. Let me tell you the temperature. The temperature is about 12 degrees centigrade, which is, and it's quite sunny today, but it's not that warm. But I've got my heater on, and I'm cranking up. So I'm going to just take my jersey off right now. You can hear my squeaky chair in the background. Okay, so the next the next point I want to talk about is, is, is a question I want you to explore. And the question is this. Which days of the week are the days you suck at? Which days of the week are the days that you suck at. Think about it. Why? What are there days in your week where you are a legend? You know, like just you know, not 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 just a random day, but like if you look at your week as a whole, do you do you, you know? Are your Mondays always sharp? I mean, Tuesdays always sharp, or, or do you find Wednesday really hard? I was reading a study recently, and they're talking about. Weight. And they're saying most weight gets put on on the weekend, which kind of makes sense, doesn't it, when you think about it? Like most weight will be put on for between Friday and Sunday. And it kind of makes sense because we have amazing routines for the weekday. You know, you get up, there's this real structure around your life. If you, Let's say you're working a typical seven day week where, you know, nine to five, weekend off. 
there's a real clear structure around your life when you get up at seven, you have your breakfast, you do some exercise, whatever, you go to work, you have your lunch, you come home. There's this, there's this pattern, and it's a pattern you've probably figured out that works really well. Then when we go to the, the part of your week where there's an unstructured pattern, which is often the weekend, those are the days we tend to be unsuccessful. And those are the days, based on the study, that when we look at it, um, when we look at it, uh, you know, it's, it's obvious to see why people put weight on. We tend to eat more. We tend to eat more often. We tend to um, be kind of drink more. You know, lots happens on the weekends. And I was just kind of thinking about this myself. Like, I'm really good at Monday to Friday. I know Monday to Friday. And you know what? I'm actually pretty good on a Sunday. Friday, Saturday, I, I'm a bit wayward. Not, not, you know, now again, I'm, I'm a guy who's pretty disciplined and, and pretty on top of things, but at the same time, my Saturdays can be a bit wayward. I can go really kind of to extremes on Saturday. I can stay up really late, can eat, you know, excessive amounts of food. Um, I can waste an amount of time I don't like wasting on a Saturday. And why is that? And, and for me, I think it is that unstructured thing that often I don't, I don't go into a Saturday with any sense of structure. And I just thought as a question to really throw at you guys today is, is to really think about, look at your week. Is there a pattern around great days and bad days? And then as you think about your week, what days are the bad days? And how can you make some more adjustments to those days to a level that you're happy with? So like my Saturday at the same time, as much as I talk about my weekdays being very structured, on a Saturday and a Sunday afternoon, to be honest, I'm not going to beat myself up for not doing. I'm, I'm Part of those days is about unwinding and relaxing. So if I don't do something on a Saturday, if I'm not doing the whole time on a Saturday, that's, that's fine by me. So it's not that I want to make Saturday 100% a disciplined day. I, I do want relaxing within that. But sometimes on a Saturday night, I can be up, you know, very, very late playing games on my iPhone which costs me makes, makes me extremely tired which I don't actually get over to you know to like a Monday or a Tuesday and so you know while I want to relax on a Saturday staying up stupidly late playing iPhone games isn't going to be that you know productive for me in the long term and actually while I'm playing those games I know deep down you know this is a bit of a waste of my time and so as I think about tweaking my sad days, I'm just thinking, okay, well, where are my small little tweaks on a sad day where I, I still get what I want from a sad day, e.g. relaxing, but at the same time, you know, I'm not going to a level in the areas that I don't want to go to on a sad day as well. So, you you know, let's say drinking, like said, there might be your drinking day and you love it and you know what, drinking is a great thing and you enjoy it, it's social and, and you love it, but, it, you know, you're finding that you're going to the point where you're drinking where actually you're spending the whole night with your head in the toilet. Now, is that really what you want to get out of your Saturday? Maybe you want to have a fun social environment where you can drink, but learning to know where that point is where it no longer becomes fun and you're just making yourself sick. Just, just another thing to chuck out there in today's show. The last thing I want to talk about in this kind of random, well, just to recap that one, is uh, what is, you know, what are your best days, what are your worst days, where, within your worst days, where are some small tweaks that you can improve on to make those days just more in line with what's important to you. The last thing I want to talk about in today's show is um, something I've, I've made a big adjustment in with my life recently, and, and I have to say, it's had an massive effect on my esteem. 
You know, we live in this time where um, social media has become a massive attention grabber in our life. I wouldn't even say social media. I'd probably just say the internet. Um, For me, at least, because I probably spend more time wasting time on the internet than looking at social media. I'm not a big Facebook guy. I'm not a big... um, Twitter a guy, I'm you know, I'm not I don't spend a huge amount of time. I don't get me wrong, I go on them every day and have a quick look, but I don't I don't really participate. I'll go have a quick look and then kind of move on. But I've got my websites that I waste time on, so I like Reddit, um, you know, dig, you know, there's types of websites that you know, if realistically if I was gonna be really honest about it, up until recently, I probably spent an hour of my day on those websites. Some days a little bit more. But generally speaking, probably an hour of my day, not at one time, but there'd be a half an hour block at some stage in my day where I'd go through all those sites and then there'd be another 15 minute block here or there and five minutes here or there and and all the rest of it. And um, while I'm, you know, there's a level of that that I'm quite happy to have in my life, there was definitely a level of it where I felt it was a bit too much. And for me, you know, an hour a day was probably too much. Like, you know, now I'm going to talk about where I've gone to within this and hopefully you can get something from that. But for me, you know, nowadays what I do is I, I, um, uh, I'll come home from work in the morning, I'll teach a class, have some breakfast, do some little bit of housework and then come start work. And I'll have a hot drink while I'll read those sites then. So I'll spend 15 minutes then. And then maybe at night before I go to bed, um, if I'm watching something on TV and it's a bit crap, I might just have a quick look at those sites there then. So I might still spend probably half an hour a day just checking out those sites at times, you know, in a, in a time that's relaxed. But it's I wanted to remove that kind of more than half an hour to, to an hour of my life just looking at these sites. And... I really established that there were a couple of things in my life I felt were lacking in the last period of time. And one was growth and one was creativity. And growth and creativity were the two areas where they were always the last thing on my list of things to get done each day. And so actually they never got done. So, you know, I'd set some targets around writing some songs and, and not necessarily writing the musical side of the songs, writing lyrics for the songs. And, and I set down at these targets of, you know, get down, write some songs. and and uh, But it was never happening. You know, at the end of the day, it was just never happening. And then with growth, I just wasn't, like, I do a lot of consuming through audiobooks and stuff like that, but I wasn't just doing much kind of next level growth that I really wanted to do. And and again, I'd set some targets, but it was, again, it was the last thing on the list and it was never happening. Or I would put it in times where it just wasn't realistic. So I thought about, I became aware of this this kind of slight disappointment that I wasn't having time for kind of next level growth and creativity in my life. And then I looked at my day and it was so clear that I was, there was this big chunk of my day, you know, up to an hour and a half, sometimes even two hours, where I was often going to websites which I'd already looked at that day and, and seeing stuff I'd already seen that day. So there was this chunk of my day which was just, pure wasted time and through through seeing that I determined to myself that what I want to do now is in those times where I previously would just repeat you know looking at my favorite websites I want to use that time to grow myself and for creative expression and so over the last month 
I've I've been reading in some some in some areas and learning in some areas that have been really stimulating me and really exciting me. And then when I have those small chunks, now what I do is I just start working on a song. And um, so, for example, in the morning, often what I do is I, I wake up at five. I don't really get out of bed till about five thirty, and within that, I'll, I'll do my mind sweep and I'll, I'll read my my kind of daily focus tool book. And then there's often like a twenty minute section, and often what I do is just go on to Reddit and all those sites and just look at all those sites. And now what I do is I either spend some time doing some learning or I'll spend some time writing a song. Uh, little chunks in the day where, you know, previously I'll just jump on the net. Same thing's happening, I'll just do a little bit of learning. When I go to bed at night now, I'll read, but I'll read, I'm reading educational books that are making me grow in areas that are exciting. The really great thing about this experience for me has been, I feel like I'm growing. And, and for those of you who have done creativity, I'm sure you'll know what I'm talking about here, is that I feel I'm being creative as well. And these were the two areas of my life in the last period of time where I, there was a slight kind of sense of disappointment because I wasn't doing the thing that I wanted to do in that area. And it wasn't because I didn't have time. It was purely because I was wasting a big amount of my time on, on things that actually weren't that important to me or weren't important to me for that level of amount of time that I was doing it. Because again, I, I actually enjoy sitting down reading Reddit for half an hour a day. But to do it for two hours, that's when I'm getting to that point where it's actually, to do it to that level is not that important to me. And, and I've just found that for me, including growth and creativity in every one of my days in my life, I'm finding I'm experiencing this really wicked esteem right now. And... Uh, and it's really hard to put my finger on what that is, but it's just that personal sense of, um, you know, feeling good about myself that's coming from adding these activities into my life. So when you think about yourself, what are those activities for you? What are those things where, you know, enough of that thing is actually quite cool? Like, checking out Facebook is quite a fun thing to do. You know, half an hour of that a day is probably a cool thing to do. If you're spending two to three hours a day on Facebook, is, are you really gaining as much of, from that as what you need? And what are the areas then that you feel you're kind of slightly missing out on or that you deep down you know you want to do, but you don't feel you have time to do? If you were to put more of what's important to you into that time where it's gone to the excess in the other area, what do you think the outcomes would be for your life? Like if, like in my example, I've added more growth and creativity in my life and I'm feeling a stronger sense of esteem in self. So the effects have been massive and the effects aren't just massive as in the esteem because now I've, I've like recently I've written some songs that I'm kind of proud of. So there's this kind of, there's this outlay of work that I'm doing that's kind of cool and, and even the growth I'm doing, it's given me a deeper understanding in areas that are really important to me. So there's this kind of deeper understanding in life and, and things that are important to me as well. So the benefit's really massive. Now, I could have just spent that, that last month doing stuff on Reddit and uh, wasted that time and probably had not much value for my own life in doing that stuff. So when you think about yourself and you think about your own life right now, you know, what are those things for you? It might be TV, it might be, it might be social networking, it might be just wasting time on the internet, it might be, you know, not quite sure of other things, but, um, you know, what are those things? 
And I think as, as you think about this area, is the first thing we always go, well, what is a healthy level for me to have of those things? So like, I'm I'm not against people watching TV. Like my partner and I, Joe, we probably watch anywhere from an hour to two hours TV a night. And we come home and we'll have dinner together and watch the news. And then we, we'll tend to watch a program. So recently we've been watching Game of Thrones. And we, so we probably watch an hour and a half by the time everything's done. And, uh, you know, and it's, I don't feel bad about doing that now because it's just a part of us relaxing. But if I were to spend three hours a night watching TV, I probably would feel a sense of, hmm, this is too much for me. And so when you think about those areas where you know you probably are going to the extreme, what's a healthy level for you to be doing those things? And then once you've thought about those those areas that you're doing those things, if you are and you've established a healthy level, so you might say half an hour a day on Facebook, and you may say, right, well, 10 minutes in the morning when I wake up, 10 minutes at lunchtime at work, and 10 minutes at night, you know, when I'm just doing that there. But then if and you were doing two hours, so that goes down to half an hour. What do I want to replace in my life with the time I would gain if I found healthier levels in the areas where I was going to excess in the past? So like me, you might choose that you want to add some more growth into your life. You might choose that you want to add creativity. You might choose that you want to do a, a you know some kind of challenge. You may choose to have more personal one-on-one social interaction with people. You may choose just to do a relaxing thing. Not, you know, like maybe learn to meditate or something like that, or or just go down and lay in the sun. Like, like it could be something as simple as that. It's a, it's an area, you know, like we do live in this, we live in a time poor life, but we also live in a time wasted life in a big way. And ultimately, one of our biggest kind of tasks in our own life, not tasks, but one of the things we should focus on is how do we live our lives in the way that makes us feel most fulfilled. And when we have these distractions in our day-to-day life that cost us a big chunk of that day, they are actually taking you away from you feeling fulfilled in the things you are doing. And as I think, as I talk about this now and I think about my growth and creativity, I think that's the esteem I'm getting, is I'm feeling fulfilled because I'm expanding myself and I'm expressing myself. And I, and I find that stuff really fulfilling. And when I look at you know, before this last month, which I've made these shifts in myself, there was actually a, a slight sense of disappointment or or longing for that fulfillment that growth and creativity would give me. And that was being lost by too much time in areas that didn't need that much time. So as you think about yourself and you, and you identify those areas, how do you set up patterns in your life where you know, you can have enough of that. So for me, it is that when I get home from work after my class in the morning, I have a cup of tea and, and spend 15 minutes then, you know, finding moments in my day where, I, where it's cool for me to do that. But then once I've found that healthy level, replacing it with whatever is important to you in your life, it makes you feel fulfilled. So that's my third point in today's show. So that's uh that's that's pretty much the main chunk of the show. It's it, that's my ramblings in this month's show, and, and I suppose just to recap, my first three points are: which areas of your life have comfort led to you regressing, and made you become stale in a way that actually is restricting what you want to be in your life. Second point was, you know, which days of the week aren't you so sharp at, and and where are the tweaks in that day 
that could you know allow you to have what you need from that day but also not take you off your path too much and then lastly when it comes to the areas of your life where you know it is maybe not so much about growth or anything like that but it's just about you having some uh, I'm not sure the right word I'm looking for here but just you know I don't want to call it wasted time because actually spending some time on Facebook's not wasted time spending two hours on Facebook is wasted time and so when we think about um, you know in the areas of your life where you could have wasted go to the unhealthy levels and wasting times in certain areas what are those areas what are healthier levels to, for you to have in those areas? How do you kind of work around those healthy levels? And then actually, what would you replace that time with in ways that would make you feel fulfilled as a person? I, I always finish this, this segment of the show with making you a better version of yourself. So I, I suppose ultimately I, I have to say it, don't I? So um, I suppose I really believe that if you were to just kind of to think about those three things and to work on those three things, that ultimately you would be working towards a path where you are being that better version of yourself. Got it out. There you go. Got it. Uh, that's, that's pretty much this month's show. And uh, hopefully, I don't know, hopefully that worked. I'm not quite sure. You Let me know. Let me know if you thought that worked or not. There's, um, yeah, again, Good luck with that, that relationship thing. <laughs> you know, I got an email. I got a couple of emails here, and um, I'm just going to read them out to you. I got an email from Sally, who's Sally Ann. I never knew her name was Sally Ann, to be honest. She comes. To, she used to come to my classes at the gym, and I actually think I haven't seen her in a long time. But I think she actually went on to become a fitness professional herself. And I've always known her as Sally, but she just sent me an email. She goes, "Hey, mate, just a long time no see, and I hope you are well. But I have a serious question for you to think about, and I know the answer. But it's always good to get a second opinion from someone who you respect and knows their stuff. So, what do you do when you lose your mojo? You know, when you've trained your butt off for years, and in my case, ran a marathon, completed in crap, changed your life, and had your ass handed to you because you thought you could cope with MMA and did okay. But what do you do in terms of fitness when you lose it?" I mean, really lose it. You've got nothing to prove and no emotional goals to fulfill. I'm not the only one. Recently, I found myself in a few of the older crew, including my good friend and work colleague, at a loss when it comes to training. What do we do when you get to a place where you start setting goals for the sake of setting them, but not really trying to reach to something because either you don't care or you're not really into it? Basically, you're trying to find a way back to when you're working out and training for a purpose method, but really to us now it doesn't. But I'm back in the mind, in the back of my mind, sorry, but back in, in the back of my mind, we know we want it, or we know we will be better for it, but we can't find it. Big question, I know, but I'm always in for the big questions. Any thoughts? So basically, how do you get your mojo when your mojo has left the building? Is how she ripped it up. Um... Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, you know, a big part of my life is how do we help people who haven't had mojo for a long time try to find mojo, and it's a really fascinating thing to see because what you see is if you do that well, you you ignite a flame within somebody, and when you ignite that flame, you just see the possibilities in their own mind open up, and then they go down this path where you know they they have this massive change and change in a way that's empowering, exciting, um, stimulating, rewarding, steam building. And they just, you know, they just get so attracted to it 
And then you see you, you do see people in silly situation, and uh, where you know you you know what it's like to have been in a focused place, and you know what it's like to have lived in a place where no matter what you're going to do that session today, and you're going to do that session as hard as you can, and and, and ultimately that is what appeals the most to you. And what do you do when you've experienced that quite a few times and you've lost that? And that's obviously what Sally's going through right now. And and, and, and I'll speak a little bit to my experience here, Sally, because I think there's a couple of things that come through. I think the first thing is sometimes it's time for a total change. Sometimes it's time to, to shift away from what you've done for a new area. And, and if you've listened to my show, I'm sure you've heard me talk about giving up Ironman and like I did Ironman for seven years and 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 for those whole seven years I had that mojo you know at at first I was an average athlete and by the end of it I was a a very good local athlete Um, I wouldn't say I was world class by no way shape or form but I was in my local region I was was a pretty good athlete and um, through those whole seven years I had that mojo and then I got to a point where I felt the mojo slip and now what was happening with my training was I, it was just a habit because that's what I knew well that getting up and going on my bike and getting up and going for a run and, and going for a swim I was turning up but I wasn't really turning up and when we think about your situation you're probably in the same place and for me at that time I actually gave up like I literally gave up. I, I I determined that I'll do one more Ironman, which was within the next four months, and that would be my last Ironman. And um and I gave up. I just gave up completely. And uh and to be honest, it was the best thing I could do. Because I like I never regretted it. I never the day I gave up, I never regretted um giving up Ironman. I never did. It was it was the best choice of my life at that time and it gave me everything I'd hoped I could ever gain from it. So one option is to give up, but that's that's not often the answer you'd expect to hear from me. I think the th- next thing is is when you give up, where is a new area in your life that you could be excited by growth that would help you go to what you like within yourself? So you can give up the exercise you're doing right now and look for new areas and new challenges in other areas. You see it. You see it a lot with a classic example is in New Zealand rugby rugby men. Rugby is very much a young man's game, and so you see a lot of men who have played rugby from you know from being a boy right up to their late twenties, maybe early thirties, you know, and, and they have this peak probably in their mid twenties, maybe late twenties, where they've you know this, that mojo factor is at hundred, and then at the end of that period, what happens is they, you know they don't have the carrot in front of them anymore so now rugby starts to become a habit so they you know training's less important now training they may even join a team that don't even train and they just play on Saturday and you know and and they just tick in the box but not you know again where do you go when the Mojo's left the building and um, you see a lot of these guys who then just give up support completely but ultimately the best thing for those guys I always think is is if you're not still driving and 
be competitive in your sport is is move on and find a new sport and you'll see guys who do that and then you find them finding a new sport and again they've found that that spark of it you know that flame inside themselves to grow you know you'll see them try endurance sport or they might try some crossfit or they might do a bodybuilding competition or they might you know do some activity which makes them want to be the best version of of themselves again so in your situation Sally if you are right now been doing the same type of stuff for a period of time maybe it's time for a shift maybe it's time to try something new and try things in a way that excites you I think another thing to add on top of that is maybe even look for growth outside of the area that you always look for growth and in my situation that's what I did when I gave up Ironman is that um, I still have fitness growth but actually I get a lot more growth through piano now so for me I, I look for growth in my musical life and that stimulated me a lot. And so fitness actually in my life right now isn't the thing that, that is my driver around growing myself. It is very, it's, you know, I have challenge within fitness, but it's not that mojo thing, whereas music is. And so maybe it's time to evolve yourself in other ways as well. Um, if you do want to stay in the movement that you're in, it, it is very much about trying to find the right goal. But sometimes that can be hard when you've been in that area for a long time. So it's either trying to find that big ultimate goal or um, trying to find different ways to motivate yourself around that or finding new environments that are of the next level for you in that area. So let's say you've been doing, I don't know, running for a while and you just run with your friends all the time and, and actually you're the best runner in the group. Or maybe if you joined a running group where you were you were faced with people who are of a higher ability than you, then that would stretch you in ways which could you know take you to higher levels. Um, there's there's plenty of answers for this question. I hope that helps in some some way, shape, or form. Because um, I know what you're saying. We we do want to have that mojo. So hopefully that helps. I've I've got another question. I'm just going to pull it up. I got, I got an email a while ago from someone, and I can't remember who it is, and unfortunately you'll know who I'm talking about when I when I talk about this, but I got an email a while ago from someone, and I told them I'd answer it on last month's show, and then I, I forgot, to be honest, and so then um, they, 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 they said, oh, oh, you forgot to answer, and so I emailed saying I'd do it this month, and, and I've lost their email, so I can't find the question, but I'm going to do it based on memory. And um, I think I recall... The question was, how do you know what you're passionate about in life? Um, how do you, you know, like, how do you know you are, how do you find the thing in life that is your driver? And um, it's a, I hope that's the right question. I'm sorry if you're the person who sent it through the email and send me an email, give me a hard time because my, my, my storage system has let me down on this one because I thought I'd stored it somewhere, but I just can't find it. But, um, Oh wait a second! I think I've just found it. No, that wasn't. That was that was far from it. So <laughs> I could edit that out, but I won't. I'll keep it because it's real. But anyway, the, the question was: How do you find the thing that you're most passionate about in life? And and, and I, if I recall, the email was kind of saying, you know, that they know they want a passionate life. They're just not sure of what their thing is. And I, and I think it's a it's a a really big question. And I think it's a really big question for a few reasons. I've been really lucky. I, I found my thing pretty early. I found um, exercise at a time when I was, you know, twenty, maybe twenty-one, and um, and 
I jumped on board with everything I had and I was able to make a career out of it and, and it's, it's, it's provided me with a pretty phenomenal life and um, I've always respected that and I've always kind of, um, you know, I've, I've always tried to be responsible to the the opportunity I've had from this this career, and um and and I, it's for me it's 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 I was, was I lucky I'm not sure, I was yes I was lucky I was lucky that I found that situation at that time, so what would be my advice to a guy who kind of fell into it, what would be my advice for people who don't know what their passionate things are, I think there's a few things to think about when it comes to this and you can give or take whatever you want from it I think the first thing we, we've got to contemplate is what did you know or do you know you deep down have loved doing in your life and the, the you know the good way of looking at that is is what did you love doing when you were a kid now the question to always ask is you know like a good question to ask somebody is if they were if the five year old or if the probably the nine year old version of yourself because fives are probably a little bit too young, but if the nine year old version of yourself were to meet yourself today, would they be happy with the life you ended up with? If the nine year old version of yourself today were to meet yourself today, would they be happy with the life that you've ended up with? And I, and I, the reason I think that's a really great question is because. I kind of think that what was important to you, what you loved doing when you were nine, is probably still true today. Like, when I was nine, I loved sport. Like, that's all I wanted to do. I sucked at school. And I, you know, all you, what did I do when I was nine? I loved being with people. I loved talking. And I loved sport. And, and, and like, luckily, I'm pretty sure my nine-year-old would be, be more than impressed with what's turned out for me. And, and you know, I don't think that shifted a lot in me. Now, I'm, I'm very much speaking from my experience here, so I could be totally wrong. Like, uh, you know, maybe for many nine-year-olds, nine-year-olds they, you know, you'd shifted and discovered things that you didn't know about yourself um, as a nine-year-old. So that might not be the best situation. But I think for a lot of us, that that reflection around what was, what what did the kid in you love doing in life is probably something to contemplate. And then... Those types of questions, you know, what do I love doing? What, you know, do I want to be, what what fundamentally do I want to do with my time on this earth? Another thing to, to do is to do what I call a discovery period. If you don't know what your passion is, your job is to spend time exploring certain areas of your life that you think could spark a flame in your life. And I'm sure I've talked about this on the show in the past, but I, it was a period of my life where I was very unbalanced, and I, you know, I, I, I created a life where I was so dependent on fitness and I had nothing else. And I realised at that time I needed uh, more to life. So I had a year where my goal was discovery, and, and all I did was just tried stuff. I did an acting course, I did a writing course, I did, um, I started that's when I started playing piano. You know, I did all these activities that were just about trying stuff. And at the end of the year, you know, quite a few of the things that I tried. You know, they weren't my thing, but there were a few of those things within that where I was like, wow, that, that, that's what I want to be spending my time doing, and it made it clear that's where I want to move towards as I grow myself. It's funny, I'm just thinking about that nine-year-old question, music was the other thing, like I was the kid in the class who wouldn't shut up because I was singing the whole time, and you know, now I'm making this life around music. So, so you know, if you, first of all, use some questions that really allow yourself to explore fundamentally what were the activities I wanted to do with my life. Secondly, 
if you if that doesn't come to any fruition for you, do a discovery period. Set out a block of time where it's just about, you know, write down with some ideas of what you think you want to do with your time and then start doing some of them. And you'll probably get an idea pretty quickly if those are the things that are for you or not. And then I think probably the, the last point I'll make today, well, there's probably two more points. The first point is, is then work on creating the life. Because the one thing that's much harder for an adult than a child is an adult already has a life they have to change. So if you're 15 and listening to this right now, and you're at school and you you know and you know that you know that you love, I don't know science, and you want to kind of create a life around science, well then you you know you don't have to change anything about your life. You're you're very much at the beginning of your path, and so go down that path and, and you know discover about science. But if you're 30 and you've created a life where you know you don't you know you got commitments and and um you know, actions you need to take because of past behaviours, e.g. you might have some debt, um, you might have a mortgage, you know, it's a much harder thing to do to just stop that life and go into passion. So my next point would be then start working, particularly if you are someone who has, you know, has already, you know, a life that they have to move away from, is start shifting some energy in your day-to-day towards creating that life. And then lastly... Do some research into what that will will be like for you. And and the, the example I'm going to give here is the fitness world because the fitness world is one of the most rewarding worlds you could ever work in. It is a wicked life. You you get to see people when they're happy. People respect you. People value you. Um, you you help people grow. You you tend to hang around with people who are pretty positive and kind of fun. Um, you know, there's not that much stress. But the thing about the fitness world is it's a pretty poor world. You know, not many people in the fitness, you don't see people in the fitness world driving Porsches. You know, like the fitness world as a world is a pretty tough world to make a living in. And, uh, you know, it's not that you won't, but you know, that you won't be able to feed yourself, but it's a, you know, it's, it's not, it's financially, it's a tough world. And um, so if you know that, you know, be aware of, the changes you'll make as you move towards the area you're passionate about and be aware of the difference in life that you'll have along that path. Because while there is greatness in all areas of passion, there is also some some things that could be perceived as downsides, but because you're passionate, you probably don't mind. Like while most people in the fitness industry aren't driving Porsches, I'm sure they're pretty satisfied with their life. So it is just important that as you look to the areas that you do discover passion in, is then just to discover what kind of lifestyle that will mean around that, and um, and then you know work towards setting that up in the safest way possible. So hopefully that helps. I, I think you know it, it ultimately asking the question is a really good place to start. You know where are my passions, but don't spend your whole life asking the question. Spend your life figuring out what they are by by acting and and exploring and doing, and then you know, you'll find it and then, you know, then you'll be on that path. So hopefully that helps. And sorry, I, I can't find you anymore. <laughs> sorry about that. Anyway, uh, that's this month's show. It's a bit of a long one this month. I don't often go through the hour. So hopefully it's not too long for you guys and hopefully you guys got lots out of it. I will be next month. Next month I'm probably going to be trying, oh no, August. I think my book's coming out in mid-August. 
Um, my publisher told me the other day it's definitely coming out in August, so um, August podcast will be definitely a big book plug. But next month I've actually got a, a, I've, I already know my topic for next month, and it's going to be pretty cool. So I listen up for next month, and I'll get it out in pretty much a month from now. So. If you've got an email, you can email me at bevanjames at gmail.com. Um, you can check out my website, bevanjamesisles.com. Check out all my, my writing and stuff there. Uh, spread the word, tell everyone you know about the show. And uh, yeah, you guys rock and all, and thanks for all your support. Have a good month. See ya.